So welcome, boys. The uh, inaugural NFL Monday in the Den. Thank you. Um, be here. Should be fun. Quick intro. Cool. We've got Pride of Racing.com on the NBZ. One of the founders of Wolf Den, the King. Me, another founder. Another founder, Dream Team, Matt Taylor, or Frisbee player on the Den. Right. And then we've got Head of Content at Wolf Den, Straight Bat Bowman. Um, Best haircut as well. Great oh, haircut. Thank you very much, BZ. Great haircut. We've got a good question regard, um, later on regarding mullets and... Members of Wolf Den, so we'll get yeah. to that later. I don't have many sort of <laughs> options these days. <laughs> My variation straight. is just straight line and length. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> In terms of haircuts. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thanks very much for coming, BZ. It's good to be so here. So the, the idea behind um, this podcast is that we get someone who's sick for NFL. Yep. Um, would you describe yourself as sick for NFL? Very much so. Like um, I've come up to Sydney with... Um, my girlfriend went to the opera yesterday. Had, she had some tickets for her birthday. Um, had a nice night out. I made sure I got an early sleep so I could Very get up at you yeah, were up get up at morning, uh, yeah. midnight and watch the first game. Did you really do that? Yeah, I pretty much watched. Wow, I, I wow pretty that's much, commitment. Um, yeah, I got well, you on right sick. the way through. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I just love it. Yeah, like yeah. I don't follow. Did you watch it on your phone? Uh, I was watching the first game on TV, but then but went about, onto the phone. So sleep? yeah, so the, the light wasn't sort of. She just doesn't care about. She was it. dead to the world. Did you yeah. bet on the game? Uh, yeah, and I've, I've haven't had a collect since uh, okay. since last You're night. Due. So it's I coming. It's I coming. I wouldn't say that I'm um, any good at it, but I just I just <laughs> enjoy who, it. Who is good at NFL betting? Like it's just so hard. Yeah, and like I've sort of I love all sport, but the last probably two or three years I've got like full on yeah. into NFL I'm and saying. I would sort of consume more NFL content than any of the local sports. The game just goes for so long though. It yeah. takes a big chunk I, out I, of I your life. I just think working in sort of with racing and sort of you've got like a Monday and a Tuesday where you're a little less busy than what you would normally be. Like I love just sitting there yeah. and just watching and, and it. From I'd assume it's great to get away from racing for those couple of days. That's basically yeah. what I yeah. like to do as well. Yeah. Not that it's... Um, super relaxing if you're having a bet because like you do sort of sweat most you do uh, plays, you make but do I just I just love it. I love watching it. Love betting on it. Love all the stories. Love the action. Yeah, I just think it's, it's yeah. unbelievable content. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 brilliant. And do you have a favorite team? No, I don't necessarily have a team. Like I wouldn't say I'm passionately sort of support anyone. Like have you back? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, like I was on the Bills last year and that was a bit sick. And then I'm sort of. Like I like Josh Allen and I like yeah. the Bills. I think they're like a great setup, but I sort of missed the price this year and I sort of haven't got involved. I, I've actually had something on the Chargers to win at the start of the year because yeah. I, I think Justin Herbert's sort of like that next quarterbacks that could maybe get to a Josh Allen sort of type. Um, like a, but then they like had a few Luke Brooks type. Yeah, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, <laughs> he's already uh, the tiger. The tiger's um, coming out. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I had something on them, but then they've had a stack of injuries, and look, they yeah. won again this morning. But it might be a bit of a battle, but they could be in the mix. But like the AFC is so tough yeah. on that side of the the, um, the division. So no, I'm I'm just a full sick NFL punter. Tragic. Love, yeah, love watching it. Yeah, cool. And then so let, let's move over and talk about punt because yep. i'm sure a lot of people want to hear about about you and the punt so um obviously you do a lot of work for racing.com and you're doing yep. the form for them and stuff and yep. what about do you get to bet yourself a lot yeah 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 no i bet myself and like grew up in sydney so i was not really a melbourne punter as such but i've been in melbourne for um 60 years now yep. and transitioned from sort of doing new south wales form into melbourne form it took a little bit of time mm-hmm. to get used to the 
tracks, um, like the trainers, how they sort of their patterns, where they go, the jockeys and things like that. But now, I, like I'd barely, if I watch a race on a Saturday in Sydney, I barely know a runner. And so you just concentrate like, on Melbourne. Yeah, I yeah. like to concentrate just on yeah. Victoria. Like, uh, and I love betting in like the like maidens and sort of lower yeah. grade Victorian races. I think the like setup in Victoria in terms of you're racing like every day, but it's the similar pool of trainers and jockeys. Like mm. in New South Wales, like you got Metro, then you got like Kembla and Newcastle, Gosford, Hawkesbury, and then it sort of drops off the cliff. The and provincials are quite strong. Yeah, yeah. and that's they the can thing. Come like to the city and win. Yeah, yeah. You, or and you go to Bansdale, which is four hours away from Melbourne, and Mick Price has still got horses. Kieran Ma still got horses. Um, the geography so thing, isn't it? Because well, the yeah. state's much smaller than the Smaller, South and those bigger stables are based, like a lot of them have like a Ballarat base or a, a base at Cranbourne right. or a base at Pakenham. So they're not like, they're not just city trainers like Chris Waller and like, um, like Godolphin are. They go a bit out wide, but like mm. you look at Chris Waller's stuff, like he barely has a runner outside of the metro. Mm. Mm. Um, so I like that because yep. I just think it's a basically on a Tuesday. Sunday afternoon on a Thursday, Friday, there's like good quality racing, especially at that like maiden 64 sort of level mm-hmm. horses from the jump outs and trials. And like I've you know, got mates and chat groups and, you know, like to sort of stay involved with things that are happening in other states, but the majority of my betting would be yeah, Victoria now. And is betting and racing bigger in Victoria and Melbourne than it is up here? I mean, you're a great person to judge that because you've... It's sort of hard because I live in a bubble, so, yeah, like... Yeah, that's a good point. I'm sort of in it every day, and I don't, like, good friends with Matt and, like, other other mates of ours that are all punters. So, like, the majority of conversations I have, even outside of sort of work, are with mates who are into racing or um, having a bet. I've got a feeling that from the little I've been to Victoria, you guys have a much better social... Social aspect, people that work in racing, they're very social and they also bet a lot. Yeah, I yeah, feel like, like that's a little bit more there. And then there's, a, there's a good group of guys that yeah. sort of get around that, have a bet, and even just sort of outside of people that you know might be known in terms of like punters, like the guys that I'm mates with that are not necessarily in racing, like they all love a bet and like socialise and things. So I'd say it's quite similar to the eastern suburbs here. When yeah. I was living in Coogee, there's yeah. a similar yeah, core, so core group. You know, it wouldn't like be a lot in it, I don't think. Yeah. As far as betting turnover goes, I don't think there'd be a lot in it. It um, seems a lot of the bigger players here in Sydney. I don't know, is that your sort of view? As I've always been really like that, sure. yeah, which yeah. is interesting. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. For the last 20-odd years or so, the bigger players do seem to come from Sydney. Um, I, I would agree with that, yeah. But yeah. I, I think that's just coincidence. But yeah. is that, was that even the case, Kings, back in the day? Say, like we're talking pre... Um, corporate bookmaker time when like the bookie on course bookies were the, yeah. was the Sydney ring always stronger than the Melbourne ring? I think the Melbourne ring was stronger than the Sydney ring uh, back in the eighties. Mark Reed was down in in Melbourne and then he moved to Sydney. But Melbourne bookies always had a reputation for being. I think BZ's talking about big. the punters. The punter no, no, but a bit of both. No, I'm yeah. saying both, like punters yeah. or bookmakers. Uh, like, yeah, I, 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 back when I started, you didn't sort of know what, who the punters yeah. were down in Melbourne because. Mm. When I started, you weren't even allowed phones on the racetrack. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> weren't allowed or <laughs> <laughs> couldn't operate? Yeah, but I, I guess so. But now it's opened up so much. But the big players just play everywhere yeah. nowadays. So, yeah, it's it's you bet bet everywhere. Mm. And so another question I want to ask BZ is, do you think racing's fully pumping like it's never pumped before in terms of wagering turnover? Like I feel Seems like we're I feel like we're on, on the precipice of a golden age in wagering. Like I think that that this generation are, like, fully into it. Like, I've heard stories of when we were kids, like, you get your um, 
you turn 18 and you, you can finally get your driver's licence and drink or whatever, and now kids, when they turn 18, are pumped because they can go and open a sports bet account, which is scary but also mm. kind of cool in the same uh, way, uh, you know? From my observation, I'd say yes. Um, again, because we live in that sort of bubble, you're associated with people that are talking racing and betting on racing, but like through um, shows that I do with racing.com, I can go to the football and you get like younger guys come up and like, oh, BZ, what do you like at the, at the races tomorrow? Like, I think racing and the way that the media is now, like you think on a Saturday afternoon, there's Channel 7, yeah. free to wear, there's Sky, Thoroughbred, Central, Sky 1, Sky 2, racing.com, basically broadcasting race. Like, racing has never had a broader reach across, you know, it's advertised on the football in between yes. races. You know, Joel Kane's on a Friday night doing the prices, talking about... Prices like I, yeah. I think racing's never had more sort of eyeballs on it, and I think that's then replicated in sort of more people turnover. that turnover yep. and doing the form and getting involved. Yeah, mm. for sure. Yeah, mm. I agree. Yeah, awesome. And they, but they're different now. It's not like it was 15, 20 years ago when everyone was at the track and you sort of knew who everyone was mm. or you had an eye on what was going on. Now it's you're sitting in offices like this, mm. or you're sitting at home, or you're on your phone. Mm. Um, I think it's spread out, obviously, a lot more, but. Turnover figures say that yeah, it's so easy never to bet too, isn't it? Like, mm. you know, and, the, and the, the bookies apps have come so far so quickly, and it's like opening up Netflix now. Like, you open up your bookie app, and it's like you can entertain yourself for like half an hour easily. Mm. Well, it'd um, be uh, interesting to know the percentage of eighteen-year-old males that finish high school that don't have yep. a, yeah, a betting app. You know, like it would be Very incredible. Well. Yeah, that's what. And yeah. through like sport. Uh, and um, whether it be rugby league or AFL, basketball, whatever their popular sport is, mm. same game multis, they get involved that way. And I think mm. then it seeps across and into racing. Like mm. my understanding is like this, the same race multi product with the corporates is like going through the roof because mm. it's sort of taking over the exotics and it's probably not been something that's great for anyone who bets traditional tote products yeah. mm. in terms of exotics because if you're an 18 year old kid and you say to them what's a quinella or an exacta they're like i don't know but yeah. if you said to them take a same race multi yeah, they yeah, know how to do it and yeah. it's almost a similar concept but the wording's changed they're yeah. taking mm. a fixed price they know what they're going to get yeah, it's good rather it's than if you take product. a hundred dollar yeah. trifecta yeah. you say oh what prices are yeah. mm. they're just like, jamming it down everyone's throat though aren't they well that's way. the that's and the, there's no chance to win it at really taking multis no, no it's not five league multis it's fun but there's no you know that's all it is now a lot of fun bet there's no education in it at all it's no. just have a bit of fun it's which like is a, fine it's nothing mm. wrong with that but as long as people understand that they're no chance of winning at it and that's the hard part, I suppose, because mm. most people won't understand. But Super Race Multi, the Twitter guy who's big, he, he tweeted this morning, he's like, I like putting in 200 bucks and having the chance to win five grand. And that's the mentality. You know, that's mm. what everyone wants. They're like, but I'd rather lose 200 but have the chance to win 5,000. Because if you've got 5,000 in the airborne, you're like taking your missus away for the weekend. You can do whatever. But with having 200, like I had 200 on the, uh, on the Ravens at $1.20 this morning, at uh, $1.60 this morning. Like, what, what am I going to do with 120 Like, what's yeah. anyone going to do with $120? No, but that's what I did because I don't, I'd rather have I'd rather less chance of losing the 200 But But what was it like when you were getting involved in racing Kings? Like, what draw, drew you to betting on... The racetrack. Yeah. The racetrack drew me. That's sort of where I fell in love with betting was at the racetrack, watching the bookies and the money flying around and watching the smart punters, what they were backing and, 
and following people. And that's a bit what our idea is with Wolf Den is to create the, the recreate the betting ring and have some action going on and people can share ideas because there's none of that around anymore. So that's what sort of drew me into it for sure. Mm. I'd imagine most people would be the same, but like that's not there anymore really. Like I, mm. when I go to the races, I'm sitting in a broadcast box and I literally don't move all day. So I don't mm. have a lot of interaction with people, but I can't imagine that the betting rings are thriving. No, they're gone. The it's it's like, completely no, over, but that's why there's big opportunity for people like us to build virtual betting rings and get people interacting and, mm. You know, as you look at Dabble, Dabble are completely airborne. People obviously like it. People want to keep talking. Mm. Um, and, you know, everyone's going to do it. Like, I think um, Saturday, last Saturday just gone will be good because the boys from um, Task Patrol were like, filming and asking you, like, how much have you had on that horse? Yeah. And you're telling them, like, 20 yeah. grand, 30 grand and blah, blah, blah. You don't so, hear that anywhere in no, your yeah, like, you just see You just see the, the bookies, the corporates, say someone had 2000 at $5 and you go, okay, whatever. So boring and yeah. so dumb. Like, but yeah. this is like, yeah, it's different because this is real money from a, a source that wouldn't want the money. And he's, yeah, it's pretty cool what, what the boys are going to release soon. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of professional punters around anymore because it's so hard to win nowadays as well with the high percentage, high taxes and everything that it's, there's not that many around anymore. But yeah, I mean, Ladbrokes have that big bet ticker that they put put over that, Shows the big bets, but there's not, mm. there's, there isn't much around anymore. You're right. And that big bet ticket is extraordinary, the amount, like, you just don't realise how much money there is out there. Like, when I look yep. at it, I'm just like, wow. And that's Ladbrokes. They're like, what are they, a quarter the size of... I was going to say, they're mm. probably, what, 20% of the market? They're 20% 15, of the market. So they're basically, they're a little less than half the size of sports bet. Sports bet. And, and it's just, like, amazing, well. like, 1,500 on this, 2,000 this. You're like, wow. You know, yep. like, so much money out there. And for such a small country, too, what are we, 25 million people? Mm. Um, well, we're the highest per capita, aren't we? For gambling, easily. like so far, you see the stat. It's like I think we're like fourteen hundred people. You know, lose fourteen hundred a year betting in Australia, the average Australian. And I think it like is that what it is fourteen hundred? Yeah, and then I think the next country is like eight hundred or something. Like it's just staggering. When I was growing up, I would have loved to lose fourteen hundred <laughs> a year. Be outstanding. That's result. <laughs> um, Chasing. So let, let's keep rolling with you, King. So. Um, yep. Why don't you just take us back? I mean, obviously, I've, I've bet with you forever, so I know your story very, very well, but not many other people. Would you want to take us right back to yeah, when you had your first bet and sort of talk along oh, that path? I'll, ta- I'll take you back to when I fin- finished high school. Mm. Um, I ended up on the racetrack because my uh, HSC marks were pretty bad, <laughs> 30 TR of 30. So I tried to get a job uh, in real estate, couldn't get it. And back then, unemployment was pretty high. I think it was about 10% or something. Wow. So. I ended up on the racetrack. My brother Sean got me a job with Warren Woodcock, mm. um, who sadly passed recently. But um, I started there. Then the nursery, uh, known as the nursery champions. By yeah, the way. exactly. You were a part of that. I was, on. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unlike me to, to pump my own tyres, <laughs> but anyway, keep going. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, after that, I was in and out working at the dogs for Mark Stollery as well. Yeah. Working for my brother Sean, learned a lot from him. Yeah. Um, that, that, that was a. Um, you guys came in. So what are we talking? This is sort of late, mid to late so 90s. Be, I was about, tw- yeah, it was mid-90s, probably 95. And you guys came in and sort of, um, yeah, ma- made a bit of a, a splash really straight away as soon as you got in there. We love betting up. Yeah. We love betting up. Yeah. Uh, but how do you go from sort of not really knowing much and working with a couple of different bookmakers to then betting up? Like where, what, what sort of time frame is that? Uh, well, it happened pretty quick actually. I mean, working for him... Yeah. I learned how to bet up through yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He so, loved having a crack. So, but when when you guys came, you had no money, right? Like, so and nah, you, but, I didn't have a cent. So, no. give us a sense for when. So, when you had your first crack at bookmaking, which was what, like ninety six or something? 
Yeah. Okay, so... Me working for him back then, it was him. I've never really had a crack at bookmaking myself. Mm. But working for him, that would have been, I think, about 90... Probably 93, 92, 93. Um, And he started in the provincials and then he worked on Saturdays and then he got into the outer, Mm. uh, which the outer back then was extremely strong with uh, David McHugh and Trevor Stuckey, um, a couple of other really big bookies. You could really get on for big money Mm. back then. But Sean had always, like, he would go so hard, right? I mean, you, your guy's um, propensity for risk is one, something that I've never seen before. <laughs> but, like, so was Sean betting to lose, like, 100 grand or something on sometimes? Uh, probably about, yeah, probably 50 to 100,000. And, like and the bank would have bank been... Would be, yeah, two, two or 300. I mean, betting how big. crazy is that? Like, laying horse yeah, to lose 100 and you got two or 300, so literally you have, like, a bad day yeah. and it's all over. That's how you got to yeah. kick sometimes. It's, like, it's a, a lot of people. Day. It's a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A it's lot a of people say you've got to follow the <laughs> Kelly criterion and you've got to state correctly, but to really kick, you've got to bet up. Yeah. At yeah. the start, then you can go into the Kelly criterion and do all the mathematics behind it and state correctly. Mm. But at the start, you've got to you've got to pick your races too. It's not just about betting up. It's about betting up at the right time, mm. getting a good feel for a race, knowing when you've got a good advantage and really having a crack, whether it be sort of, I wouldn't say 50% of your bank, but certainly 20, 20 to 30 mm. so when we, you're starting out. So we're just laying, like, we're just being aggressive with your prices or were you sort of actively backing horses as well? In Both. Re- yeah. Both. But mm. we'd watch what a lot of people did. We'd, we'd buy form, we'd do a bit of form ourselves. We'd watch what other people did. Uh, we'd watch the market a lot. So there'd be met- there's a meth- meth- method- methodology behind it all. Yeah. So we're watching what the market's doing, laying things at the right price, taking top odds. Laying him back shorter, all that sort of thing. And the market was so different back then, wasn't it? Like, uh, yeah, it was different. It was extremely different because it was on track. But the same principles apply in a lot of areas. If you're gambling, one of the number one rules is to always attempt to take top odds or understand mm. value. Mm. If you if you're a bad if you compare your um, your bets to the SP and you're consistently doing worse than that, you're not going to win. Yeah, I don't care how good your form is. Mm-hmm. And if you're consistently beating the SP. And you're having a bad run, stick in there because yep. it'll turn around. Mm. There's yep. an old an old saying that people have that a lot of the pros you sort of have to go broke like two or three times before you like kick through that yeah. barrier. Yeah. Is that well, sort of like common? Yeah, I, I remember I got to forty thousand three times and knocked it off. <laughs> I'd get to forty and knock it off, and then get to forty and knock it off. And what turned it around for me was uh, one week I hit two superfectors in one week for over a hundred thousand. Mm. Right. The first one was at Canterbury in the night racing. Actually, the, light, the lights went out. So what year so was this? Is like 2000, I reckon. Uh, I think this is yeah. So Super Vector no, for those that... It was yeah. top six, wasn't it? Yeah. Pick six in the right order. Yeah. And yeah. It was always on the last race. So it was the last race at Canterbury. I reckon it would have been in... I reckon I was about 23, 22, 23. 2003? No, I was 22 years old. So yeah. that was I, I remember it was, 90, it was 2000. I was living in America. There you go. Yeah, this no, I know you, you, I, it was year two thousand. I was in America, and I remember texting you, and yeah, I was like, "Oh wow!" So I was yeah. so lucky because the, the the it was just when night racing first came in, I think, and the lights went out, and I had to get the backup generator, and, and the last race was like at ten o'clock or something. Thank God they didn't abandon them. Exactly, <laughs> and it didn't go till ten thirty. We might not all be here right now. Yeah, that's funny. So was that a flexi option there, or you, like how did the superfector work? Like how so many was combinations pick, you're playing? It was pick six, and I think. So there was a carryover into it, which there's obviously a lot more yeah. value if there's some extra money going. And the beauty of it, which is something that couldn't happen today, is there was about four or five of us out there and we all put a syndicate together. Okay, One of them yeah. was Steve Collagiri. Yeah. And we put a syndic- syndicate together 
Was the Glenster and in took it? I think he probably was, yeah, absolutely. The Glenster would have been <laughs> in it. So all the boys at the track put it in and I might have been, I can't remember what it paid, but I might have been 30, 40% in it or something. Yeah, but you cleared 100, right? Yeah, I cleared yeah, 100. Geez. And then I played another one, I think, by myself on the Saturday and hit that as well. So wow. that gave me the kick. Yeah, But and before that, I kept getting to 40, knock it off, kept getting, yeah. but and I bet up. The, the point I want to make too to people is that, like, I've known you when you had absolutely nothing and I've seen you go broke a couple of times and just, but you're... Like, you just don't give up. You just keep coming back. And that's there's a good lesson out there for people watching it, that you just got to keep trying hard and just never give up if you believe in yourself. Of course, you've got to be careful and not do stu- not take stupid risks yeah. where you can't fucking pay your rent you or something. You don't know what you're doing. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You've got to believe thing. in yourself. If yeah. you don't believe in yourself as a punter and you don't believe what you're doing is right, you won't win. Yeah. You've got to understand where, where your edge is as well. Yeah. Your edge is very important. So you can't just be betting, betting, betting. You've got to understand what your edge is and understand your edge because 99, the truth is 99.9% of people don't win. Mm. So if you're in that 0.1% or you think you're in that 0.1%, why are you going to win? Mm. You've got to ask yourself, why am I different to the rest? Why? What is my edge? And understand your edge and test your edge as well. Back test your edge to see if it is true mm. or if it's yeah, just in your mind. Yeah, back massive, isn't it? But, yeah, it's huge. But I've, I mean, I, I still go through terrible runs all oh, the yeah, time. yeah. yeah. And you still got to stick to your system and you still got to believe in yourself because it's hard. You mm. go in that deep, dark hole. Glenster talks about walling. <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there. Like, we've all, I could still go through it. Like, it's hard. Yeah. But yeah, you've got to believe, winning, you've got to King, believe in yourself. In that uh, super effect, what were the scenes like when that, uh, when that hit? <laughs> Come on, describe that. Enough of the oh, losing. I want to oh, yeah. know about the winning. <laughs> Would have been amazing. Yeah, I tried. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable because the first big win I'd ever had. But yeah. I've always been the same. I don't get too high and I don't go too low as far as punting goes. I don't get too ahead of myself. I am always think that – I always think no matter how good a run I'm having – that not uh, in a negative way. I'm going to have a losing run, but I, mm. I, I keep it sort of. It would have been I a good weekend real. though. That one, yeah. uh, two super <laughs> is in a week, and you, yeah, flying. No, it was good party time back the then. Party's <laughs> back then. The party's back then. I, I wrote when, when Warren died. I, it took me back to those years when we used to party so hard. Yeah. I, I wrote because that, that was when the, like the settling was on Mondays and it was Wednesdays every Wednesdays? Wednesday morning. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So yeah. you basically what you'd bet Saturday, Sunday. Well, we're out Saturday night, night. so we go to the dogs. We'd work at the races. Go to the dogs. Then we'd be out all Saturday night and uh, not sleep, go straight through to Sunday. Sunday that's when Sunday races come in sometimes. There's a mess sometimes on a Sunday. but And then go out again Sunday night, Monday night recover. And some fun, I remember heaps of times we'd be out, and this is when the boys were broke, which happened many times. <laughs> we'd call Woodcock at like midday on a Sunday being, oh, we're going to come and get – everyone would run out of cash. cash. We'd call Woodcock and be like, we're coming to get some money. And he'd always give Sean more, so Sean would go and get 1000 1500 <laughs> and then we're airborne again. We're straight to yeah. like but was Scruffy bank, Murphy's party. Was bank management again. easier then than it is potentially <laughs> now? Bank management? Yeah, like yeah. with not sort of having the opportunity to get the majority of it until the following week? Sure, good question, yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> definitely. Well, you know, oh, like the, the boys would bet Wednesday, Thursdays maybe, and Saturday that was it. Whereas now yeah. it's just like you can bet yeah, it's full so on. much. Yeah, Kings That's, bets every day of the week now. So yeah, exactly. But you got to set li- one of the most important things is setting limits for anything. Yeah. I never won until I set limits for for myself because I just get so out of control and just bet so big I, I just couldn't control myself. <laughs> so I had to set limits, and when I set limits, I started winning. But I remember I put when I was betting by myself in about 08 and you could really get back on get on big down there. Tom Aldous was in Melbourne and he was betting me 
to win 150,000. Every bet was always to win 150,000. And I made a sign and put it on my computer. You must not bet too big. <laughs> and I'd just look at that. When I looked at the fluctuations, I'd look at that sign all the time. So it's sort of like the red mist, like the eyes just sort of light up and just, yeah, I like, oh, just want to go. Yeah, oh, I just get so confident sometimes that I'm yeah. going to win and just, you know, go for gold. But you pay for it sometimes. Sometimes it comes off sometimes. But long term, you've got to set limits for yourself. Pretty, Otherwise, you're no pretty chance. Pretty funny to hear that you get on to win 150 and now, like, at one bookie, you sort of max bet. They bet you to win 3,000 or maybe oh, yeah. Lloyd, Lloyd, when he was... Being generous might be five or ten or something for big races, but yeah, it's crazy it doesn't, where it's gone to. doesn't matter if it's Melbourne Cup now. Yeah, Top Sport did set their limits for the um, the cups to sort of twenty or Cox Plate was a hundred thousand, but um, they've unfortunately had to scale their limits back, uh, which is no fault of theirs. But yeah, now it's all to win two thousand, three thousand. But there's so many online bookies yeah. now. And, and just like on, back, back then, you couldn't get on to win a cent on say today, like you you, you yeah. wouldn't be able to get a cent on. Monday. Whereas now, like if you're organised. How many bookies are there? There's a lot. Like if you, 60 odd. Yeah, more, so like you can get yeah. on for a lot but if you can manage to get to all of them. The beauty of today's market is that you can get on on to the day like today on Monday at Warren or mm. Warhope or wherever it may be to win 40,000 or mm. 30,000 or 20,000 or 10, whatever you want yeah. to do. Yep. The only problem with that is they bookies change their prices so quick, so it is hard to get that sort of money down. But if you bet to win 1,000 with, say, 10, 20 bookies, the opportunity is there where in the old days you had to get a light plane out to... <laughs> Dubbo or somewhere to, to get on with the bookies out there. But, but so was that a, a regular occurrence, like with yourself and your team? Like, would you going out there? Yeah, like no, would you we go didn't to look at those sort of meetings. I used to go all the time. What are you talking we, about? We went to the cups, went to like yeah. the Grafton Cup or the yeah. Wagga Cup, but it wasn't a regular thing. The, what, are you, what are you talking I mean, about? The cup. All I did for three years was go to the provincial tracks and country tracks. Yeah, that's how I know everyone in racing because I went. Sorry. Provincial, we did Gosford, Wild, and Hawkesbury. A Canberra, we went to, but not out wide too. I've been to every race track in Australia because of <laughs> putting bets on future. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Your memory's better than mine. You don't remember that? No. Wow. Okay. But there's one very quick. And how funny much would story. you get on for out there? Pretty good. Like I'd, I'd be getting on for twenty twenty five at, really? at the bigger days. But I mean, yeah, well. But I remember I had a funny story um, when I used to go to Canberra. You've heard this story many times, but. Um, it was right when Betfair first came in and the punters were allowed to look at it, but the bookies weren't. Yeah. And it was just like money for jam for, for <laughs> Kings and that. Um, and I remember it, we'd like, I'd just stroll on the racetrack so confident. This is like 2005, 2006, something like that. And um, I used to go to Canberra every Friday, like when I was on say it was every three weeks. And um, been smashing these bookies all year and it was getting towards Christmas time and it was like their Christmas meeting. And I got there, like I'd always get there nice and early and I got there at like 11am, there was no one else in the thing, um, no one else in the ring except for the bookie setting up. And there was a bookie there called John Cramp, he's a lovely bloke. Um, and I walked in the ring, there was no one else there and he just looked at me and he said, mate, not before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, sorry mate. And those I, I'm days sure really I belted him again that day or belted yeah. him for the boys that day. Those so. days were beautiful because not many people would know this, but you didn't used to be able to look at Betfair yeah. on track. Yeah. When yeah. Betfair first came yeah. in, it was illegal. You, you couldn't yeah. look at it at all. So, actually, Sean and I left the track because for that exact reason, mm. and we went went off track. It would have been in probably 2002, 2003, and got an office up at Bondi Junction so that we could look at Betfair. Mm. But we, the bookies weren't allowed to use it, to look at it, and the punters on track weren't allowed to use it. No one else really knew about it. So we'd sit there just watching the fluctuations, and something could be 280 uh, you could lay it at 280 on Betfair and, and the bookies would go 290 mm. and then it'd go out to about 284, then it'd go mm. $3 on track. And then we, so it was a great time yeah. for us when we were there. These, these bookies are like, to use just, it. 
you know, amateur bookies basically. Like, yeah. Lambs to the slaughter, really. Yeah, yeah. no, they just it was just it was just yeah, what and was, hammered them. What was that initial Betfair period like with liquidity? Like in terms They're of still pretty good. Yeah, like who was who were the well, main players? Wasn't, like, isn't like, wasn't Joko all over? You, like I don't know Joko. Like, at was all, it just full of the sharks to start? It with? was like, very well. The way it sort of worked is at the start we. Sean and I started laying horses on Betfair, thinking, oh, you know, this is fantastic. Yeah. It's two to one, you can load it two to one, get 10,000 out of it. Yeah. Next one. Suddenly they just kept winning one after another after <laughs> another. We're going, this thing's gold. Like, yeah. this isn't as stupid as we thought it was. And then we turned it around where we're using it as a tool to sort of incorporate with our own form to, one, know when to bet and to sort of know what to back or, or, or yeah. you know, when to put the money on the horses that we wanted to back. Would you consider, like saying, do your form... Have you ever done form yourself or have you relied on ratings or are you relying on other people's form? Like, how, how have you sort of broken it? I'll down? use everything. Yeah. If somebody, if you said to me, I've got a great set of prices, I would incorporate, I would go and test it yep. and I would put it into my model. So everything goes in the mix. But as far as doing traditional form, I've never, you wouldn't want me not doing like a, that. No, you're no. not like a video watcher no, or I don't, no, no, sort no. of like do the trials no. or anything no, like all, that. Yeah, it's like, just all about data for me and anything that anyone gives me or anything that I have access to, then I'll look at it, see if there's an edge there, see if the public's missing anything in that, mm. and if it works, and then I'll incorporate it in, into my model. But that's what Wolfden's about. Like, Dream Team watches a lot of video, and that's... Yeah. So we're all, all trying to help each other out in different ways, and Fitzy, who's not here today, he watches a lot of video, which obviously helps Kings, and Kings has got analysis to try and help these boys back winners that maybe they don't have as much time to look across. That's the stuff. beauty of the game, though. You can do it in so many different ways. There's no yeah. right, there's no wrong. So, it's just, a, just so then your if own method. Someone is uh, going to the races at Randwick on a Saturday afternoon, enjoys it, going with their mates. Oh, this is not too bad. I don't mind this game. Don't mind having a bet. Like, how do they go from the like? What What would be your advice then to go to that next step in terms if they wanted to go down that sort of punting path? Um, I would say my my advice would be where Where does your edge lie? What What What's your specialty? And then talk to them about that, and then. Say they said it's it's doing videos. I would say, okay, paper test your bets. Go and test your edge. Yep. That's what I talked about before. You've got to understand what your edge is. So there's no the right, there's no wrong, but there is a way to sort of know in the past whether you would have won doing something and then work at it, hone it, go back and have a look, see what's worked in the past and use that to sort of... How uh, far back do you need to sort of go with that? Like is there... You need, I always think you need a thousand races. So if, if I'm looking at any data and there's not a thousand samples of it, I'll, I'll disregard it. So, but they, they can add up pretty quick. And there's some good products out there like the GTX, Daniel's uh, GTX BetSmart. It's yeah. got a great database where you can go and, and test ratings in it and test. Paul Daly's got one as well, which is very, very good for what, what they charge for those products. They, what they produce is amazing. So you can go and back test a lot of things, yeah. prices through that, yeah. or any theories that you have back through that. And they're both that very genuine, nice. both TRB and Paul Daly. Like I, I think they do it because they want to help people out. Like Absolutely. They're not in it to lose money, but I don't think they're going to make a bunch of money. They just mm. they generally want to see more punters. What it would cost to produce that product, the, mm. the, the database back testing systems that they have would be hundreds of thousands. Mm. I think yeah. so the, the marketplace seems to be gravitating to those ratings sort of um, horses now. So if you have like, couple of strong ratings back to back that horse is going to go up favorite but that's great information for a punter to know because everyone is using sort of a rating of some form to help start their pricing mm. so yep. uh, without that you're pretty blind like if you're just doing form off a website 
just you know it's very hard to sort of price a runner if you can't put convert a, a race time to a rating mm-hmm. i reckon so in, in that respect help. like is the market in terms of the punters a lot because they're a lot more equipped with having access to ratings that you can buy through different data yeah. is it a lot I mean, harder to win now as a result of that than it was 15 20 years ago it's harder to, yeah absolutely markets are getting a lot more accurate mm. but there's still a lot of holes in them and you've just got to you've got to adapt and keep evolving with new data that comes out as well like back in the 80s mark reed was one of the first people with with the time ratings and he he was amazing at it but now everyone has time ratings nowadays so the fast, flashy horses that have run the super yeah. quick time. <laughs> they put it up too BZ short. BZ loves that's to get on his TV yeah, shows. Go right. on, get on this thing on uh-huh. Wednesday night. BZ, racing.com do shows. Um, well, it's all readily available. That's shows. Thing, yeah. Yeah. It's all readily available, it's which really is great. It's fantastic. Yeah. But, but it's the same thing. Like you say, back in the day, there was no replays. And then yeah. I'd imagine the first replay punters were the punters that mm. had a huge edge and then yes. that edge erodes. Yeah, and, yeah. and track bias. and So it can go up and down where it's just about what the public values and what's available. And what what isn't available, so you sort of got to be one step ahead, where you're finding something before nobody else has, and that's yeah, the tricky I, part. I find I can't get on those horses with the flashy times and the big sectionals early because by the time I get around to my form, like people knock those off. Pretty so when you're saying mm, get right, around yeah. to doing your form, what is that? Just your setup is yeah, the way I'm set up, and yeah, yeah, with with the boys and that. But um, yeah, basically we like to we like to see when the field has settled. All the scratchings are out. We want to know what we're working with so we can bet every day. So a lot of these guys who watch your shows and that, they only bet Saturdays and Wednesdays. Yeah. So they can attack those horses early. And they're, well equi- they're very well equipped in yeah. terms of the nominations coming out. They're yeah, sort of Monday, already yeah. doing their sort of earmarks. Yeah, a lot of people do form off the noms yeah. on Monday. And we won't mm. look at a race, the Saturday race, until Saturday. It's but pretty The crazy. horses could often get back out as well. People yeah, just charge into them because the bookies are pretty equipped now, sports bet. Mm. And uh, Tab as well, like they've got access to all this, this data as well. Mm. So they're putting up 130, 140% market. So it's hard to beat. I, I, I've played around with the Tab app. I think it's actually pretty good. Like Which the, the Tab app, the new, yeah, one, the new like, one. Yeah, I, I, like. I think it got a fair bit of criticism early on. Look, I'm not a huge Tab punter, so I don't usually bet a lot through the app anyway. But mm. it, it, I think it seems faster. Um, yeah. I think it's just any like anything yeah. change takes a little bit of time in terms of how it moves and how it, sort of where things were and where they are now. Mm. But mm. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and be overly critical of yeah, it. Yeah, no, and I think they've, they've made it good for this sort of serious punter, which is, I think, what they should do. Like, there's a lot of... Um, what changes have they made? I haven't looked at just it. Just, like, I know it's up the top. They've got, like, if you want to back horses that are going to lead, they've got, like, a little box where you can just... Filter. Horses that lead, and then they've got, like... I can't remember it completely, but then there's little... They filter it, so you want to back horses that are going to... Um, got good ratings, and I have to have a bit of a deeper look at it. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, they've had a they've had a crack, and I think for people who take the punting pretty seriously, I think it's got a lot of great functionality. Mm. Having access to the replays as well is a, a big one. So they've got that. Yeah. you guys yeah. have it with Melbourne races. Yeah, so well, that's something you'd like to see. If, you know, I can't imagine it's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, but sharing some sort of harmony between the yeah, two the main states and have like not three or four different websites with all the mm. different replays. Yeah, that's right. Like yeah. Having a one-stop shop where you can get every state around Australia with similar sort of mm. 
access and feel similar yes, replays. We do, we do need to remind ourselves that the only reason racing exists is because you bet on it. Yeah. Like yeah. rugby league would go ahead without betting. And there's you, you know there's significant differently. There's significant differences in the the way that Victoria and New South Wales operate from a race in New South Wales and race in Victoria perspective and then where that divide sort of was through when TVN broke up and um, you know, it doesn't seem like we'd like to hopefully it's sort of getting a little bit closer. doesn't seem like it's there just yet. Mm. Um, but I think for the benefit of all, like we'll take the NFL for, for example, like could you imagine if you had five or six different channels like which I know they do in an American market, mm. sort of. But like here, we can watch ESPN and get you know everything you want to see. Whereas on a Saturday, you literally got to. How like many on a Saturday? Yeah. There four, yeah, four, five four, channels. Four, five channels yeah. flicking back we and forth. Like the the right. 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 like it's crazy. Yeah. Like if you we said that to someone, yeah. if you yeah. brought yeah. someone in from overseas and sat them down and said, "Look, here's the Australian <laughs> wagering racing product, yeah. but it's on one's on one channel, one's on the yeah. other. They run at different times. It's not scheduled the same." You might miss a race because you're flicking back. Like it's it's a complete it nightmare mm. for the outside looking in. Mm. Hopefully, there's some sort of improvement, but I I don't think it's close. I want to get PVL in on the couch. What price <laughs> am I to get him in here on the couch? Oh, I think you'd be big odds. Big odds? I'll take evens. Evens? Evens. Yeah. Ooh, you, must have some power. <laughs> you must have some power. Burton, you, I was going to say, you must have some power. Burton, you Burton, you Mate, it, it better be rugby league off-season, though. <laughs> you, might, you might have a Which good it chance. Is. It is. You might be on the race in New Wales couch. but It'll take a while. Make sure you guys pay your turnover tax on that bet. I'd say you're probably more chance at Druitt Street than having him here. But Druitt is like literally two blocks away. You might be on the horse at the entrance. Good luck. It'd be good if you can. Yeah. It'd be great. It'd be great. It'd be yeah. great. Yeah, but sure. I'll yeah, I'll say that like we if we can engage the younger generation, say this is the younger generation you want, we've got an audience, come and talk to us. So anyway, leave Thanks it with me. Us. Um but why don't we just before we move on to um some questions and stuff, we've got we've got a few questions from Twitter last night, which is cool. Just finishing off the, the industry at large. Um so I'm quite interested in this. I, I really like making content and I know you do yep. too, BZ. You you yep. love YouTube, like that's yep. my my platform of choice is YouTube. I can, if it, whenever I get spare time I'm on YouTube. Definitely seeing the industry push towards um, trying to make good content. Yep. Obviously, like we're, we're trying to do that here at Wolfden. It's very hard to do. Yep. Um, what do you think about that for the industry? And also, what would be some cool things that bookies can do? Um, well, I, I think there's a lot of good content sort of coming out. Like, I think Ladbrokes are like really having a pushing crap. They're, having yep. a, they're spending a lot. And like when you say it's hard to do, it's expensive. Like, yeah. content isn't cheap. Um, yep. And if you want to do it properly, Yep. And I think, you know, Sportsbet over the past five or six years or so through their association with Racing.com have had, you know, ambassadors and different shows. And it might not necessarily be the content that um, sort of you're talking about, but compared to sort of where bookmakers were 10 yep. or 15 years ago, I think they've sort of led that space um, through Facebook. And, and that's probably been a huge growth of their market and why they've got such a big market share, the way that they attack social media mm. early mm. on. Uh, I think Ladbroke's doing some good things now, mm. um, doing a number of different sort of content pieces, whether they're sort of industry profiles, whether they're preview shows, um, whether they're um, sort of like punting sort of style education pieces and things mm. like that. Um, I don't think that they highlight the, the thrill and the excitement of a punt enough. No. And that's what I want to try and do with Wolfden. And it's... Yeah. It's yeah. good that no, I think there's a huge opportunity to, to do gap. so because, yeah. like, Sky Racing uh, has 
largely been operated by, um, well, you know, Sky One is their main driver. So, like, the wall-to-wall racing product is their main product. And they've probably, um, I wouldn't say dropped the ball, but they've been a little bit behind in, like, content outside of their main core product, which is fair enough. That's where they've been focused on. They're obviously owned by the Tab, and the Tab's main sort of uh, revenue driver is consistent racing. Um, racing.com, I think we've, I'd like to think that we have over the last sort of five years changed the content space yeah. in sort of bringing a lot more um, of the trainers and jockeys to life, um, a few sort of different panel shows, not just the, the standard review shows, um, through like a show like Get On, which has been around for 10 years. It's very like, popular Get On, isn't it? It, it yeah. is, and, and, and like it's... It's it's lighthearted. Like yeah. we know mm. we're not going to tip every winner on a Saturday, but we like to think that we can sort of meet on a Thursday afternoon, have a laugh, try and make it somewhat entertaining, talk about the races, and everyone does their work though as well on it. Yeah, everyone's and putting is, in the effort into actually trying to find a and winner. And don't worry, like we sort of we know we cop it on social media. <laughs> I've in the past, I, I shaved my head as a result <laughs> of sort of tipping a horse that got beat on it. But like. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, you need to do yeah. like racing fun needs that because at the end of the day, racing is an entertaining entertainment product. Yeah. And yeah. if it's suits all the time with ties and straight up and down, like there's a time and a place for that, but it shouldn't completely love, dominate. Yeah, I love it. Sky to get rid of that suits mentality. Like. Sure, it's yeah. it's hard to do though. Like, do even, like even even 2022. Mm. <laughs> Isn't that why Richard Friedman bailed? Because they were like, he said it on the rant. He said They're too serious. Well, no, I think that they, he. Oh, he, didn't he didn't want to wear a tie. He didn't want to wear a tie. They said, "Rich, you got to wear a tie," and he said, "No, nah, oh, right. I'm not doing that." Yeah. And then they're like, "No, you got to, you got to wear a tie." And then he was like, "I'm not wearing it." Yeah. And he left. And, and he left. Yeah, he right. said, he, "I'm him. not quitting my yeah. show." He, put, he said, I, "I don't know him," but I, yeah. he said on the ramp, which is very interesting. And yeah, that that seems crazy that you'd lose someone like Richard Freeman because he, he doesn't want to wear a tie. Like, yeah, Racing Victoria's got a new CEO, and his mantra is all about the customer. And uh, it was one of his. We did a show with him on Racing.com, and he um, he he walked in. And he, he didn't have a tie on. And I was sort yeah. of just thinking, oh, is he sort of... Not not he hasn't come prepared, but I was yeah. thinking... Oh, and he was like, no, I've done this on purpose. I don't want to wear a tie because mm. that's the image I sort of want to bring across if I'm coming to into a show or if I'm going to the track. I don't, I don't you necessarily think I need yeah. a tie. We want people... It's a different world these days. Yeah. Like, yeah. where do you, where do you wear a tie? The CEO of Wolfden, the CEO of Wolfden <laughs> is uh, constantly in slippers and, uh, you know, he's doing <laughs> having meetings with people. He's <laughs> wearing underwear. Yeah, the cut-off jeans, unbelievable. What about the fun, when we first started getting this going, Wolfden? So we'd um, have a lot of meetings, obviously, on Google yeah. Meet and speaking with lots of different people. And <laughs> I dressed pretty badly and King's Pretty badly, eating. far around King's never said anything, but he did say to me after one <laughs> session, so I was in like a tank top <laughs> and Guns talking out. like, yeah. you know. Sloppy, he yeah, was sloppy. We're, 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 <laughs> he was not good. Was a multi-million dollar startup. Anyway, and then apparently like I started doing these ones yeah, too much. Nice. He said, <laughs> There's plenty so, of hair under there too. He's like, mate, you, I can just cop the tank top, but I cannot cop you with your aunt like you. Well, that's what um, you're going to need to work out. That wasn't a good start. That's what you're going to need to work out with these couches. What's your sort of best angle? And oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, none, none. <laughs> Um, mm. All right, we'll, we'll keep moving things along. Um, one thing I want to talk about controversial, I'm going to throw it to you, Maddie. Advertising industry, I feel, I mean, obviously I love the punt. I want it to explode as much as possible, but I feel like it's too much at the moment. So when the NRL grand final was on the other day, um, Jimmy came on, Jimmy Barnes. Prob- great performance, seven and a half, eight out of ten. Everyone was pumping. Which Maddie is Maddie Bowman? Sorry, this is Maddie Bowman. Yeah, oh, the, yes, yeah, we, yes. want, we, want to, we want to answer... Lots, lots of maths. From the, from the lay person. Um, what? What do you call me? <laughs> la- the lay person. Cop that. Mate. 
So Jimmy Jimmy <laughs> finishes, right? Yep. And then James Brayshaw is like, great performance, Jimmy. We're going straight to Joel Kane from Sportsbet. And to me, I was like, that's no good. Like, you can't... We can't have Jimmy Barnes on all the kids are pumped and then literally four seconds later, we're like looking at Joel Kane from Sportsbet. Yeah, exactly. While well, I was watching with my kids and they're obviously very interested in what's going on, why, you know, the, the Panthers are favourites and yeah. who are you going to put money on? They're already starting that conversation at mm-hmm. eight, ten years of age. Um, and it's obviously ubiquitous at the moment with the, the gambling can be you know, done at any time, any any space. So I think there has to be a check, just like, you know, we all watched the Benson and Hedges Cup mm-hmm. and the Winfield Cup when we were young, watching cricket, footy. Um, that's changed. We watched the, um, the VB Blues, the Forex Maroons play. I reckon that'll be gone soon because sure. alcohol um, advertising can't be done. And soon enough, I think it'll come um, to this industry as well. But they're just going to make hay whilst uh, yeah. the sun shines at the moment, I'd say. Tom Waterhouse copped so much criticism when he did it. Mm. And now sports better have been doing it for years. They yeah. don't seem to be criticised at all. He was the first one to do it. That's, he that he was got the so much shit put on him yeah. for, but for the doing Because he was the first face yeah. to do it. And, and then sports better have just well, taken over and the same thing. Now it's normalised, isn't it? Yeah. Well, what, yeah, the, it the key be. difference with what Tom did, and I don't think there's actually any difference, was Tom, so Tom actually became part of the broadcast. So yeah. the difference now is, which I think makes zero difference, when it was Tom, they'd go, James Brayshaw, so right at crossing now to Phil Gould, Andrew Johns and Tom Waterhouse. And Tom Waterhouse was standing yeah. on the field with them. And yes. then they were like, oh, you can't do that. But I personally think there's zero difference between, no going, difference between to going straight to Joel Kane. In fact, no, it's probably no. more in your face because it's... But the point I think, and obviously I'm quite involved in the whole regulatory thing, so the, f- the federal government are looking into online um, problem gambling with online gambling. They've actually commissioned a report and we can put, um, we can put our thoughts into it soon. I think... Um, ability to put things in closes on November the 10th. But I think the industry needs to really pull back on the advertising quickly. Otherwise, the government's going to go even harder against us. So on the flip side to that, when you're trying to grow a brand like Wolf Den, which is yeah. you know largely about wagering and punting, yeah. sort of then how do you want to go about then trying to get your message out there? Like is it counterintuitive to say, well, the bookmakers are sort of too in their face, but... We're trying to grow it as well. Like, where's the difference? I think there just should be a cap on. I don't think there should be zero. Yeah. Uh, I just think there should be a cap cap on how much any one bookmaker can advertise, because it's. I mean, it's it's really hard as a startup. It's hard to sort of get into the market because you're competing with uh, points bet million. and sports yeah. bet, yeah. and now um, Matty Trips yeah, bet are, are coming in, yeah. and they're going to spend hundreds of hundred million dollars a year on advertising. So I'm not saying I don't think they sh- they shouldn't advertise. There should be a cap on yeah. it. On how much they can spend There's on There's time frames for all those things when you can advertise alcohol, when you can advertise mm. junk food. Yep. You can't yep. do junk food during kids' programs and all that kind of stuff. So the the market will figure that out and the regulatory, regulatory boards will um, you know, make sure it's not too much. But I think, yeah, obviously you've got to have something there. It's not like it doesn't yep. exist. Yep. But um, you mad to have it just full-time in your face Mm. In every just, space, yeah, melting into a program is what you can't have. Yeah, and so um, a suggestion that I would have, and I'll probably put it forward into the government review, is James Brayshaw comes on and says, "Right, if anyone's interested in hearing what Sports Better got to say, scan the QR code on the TV, and then the QR code flashes up on the TV, and it's maybe up there for twenty or thirty seconds, but the broadcast moves on to mm. um, to something else. So it's not, you know, you definitely want to give Sports Better chance. Do you think it should be?" Like, do you think that advertising should be twenty four seven, or there should be periods where 
There is no gambling advertising. I think oh, there are gam- there are periods now where they can't advertise. Like yeah, during kids hours? shows. But yeah, during kids shows but and all that sort of stuff. But how, like it was six. Well, it was like six thirty at night or seven o'clock at night. Like I, I, I thought you weren't allowed to advertise after eight thirty or something. So anyway, mm. it's an issue. And, and you know, it's no knock on sports, but I know that they take responsible gambling really seriously. And well, they're know, just so playing by the rules. They're playing so by the rules. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. You can't bag anyone who's playing by the rules. They just yeah. you know, good luck to them that they've been super successful. Super. Um, we'll keep rolling. Questions here. Yeah, we've got some questions. Last thing, taxes is pretty boring, but BZ, the tax has gone too far. I'm referring to like product fees. Look, it's obviously, tax, it's obviously got a lot harder, like in terms of like how much more can you squeeze out of the lemon. But I think the corporate bookmakers' acceleration probably hurt themselves a bit like you're talking about the advertising. Like it sort of, it sort of went too far. Like they yeah. all got too big and, and, then it sort of made the government and say, hang on a second, like sports bet's worth this much. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Ladbrokes are worth this much. How come we're not getting yeah. sort of our slice of the pie? I'm not saying it's right, but I can see why they've sort of gone for it because like almost they were asleep at the wheel, really, because they didn't necessarily forecast it or see it coming by the tab losing so much of its market share to these bookmakers. And then Again, I'm not saying it's right, but they're trying to play catch up to try mm. and sort of yeah. get their slice yeah. of the pie. They went to um, Northern Territory to get their license. Yeah, like they, they're all going too good, and yeah. then they're saying, mm. "Well, if you're going to keep posting, you know, multi hundred million dollar profits, we want some of yeah. it, and we want more of it." And yeah. I think the the racing industry deserves to get paid for putting on the product, absolutely. Um, but it shouldn't come at a consequence to make. Um, the punter's Turnover. paying in the end. Exactly, the punter pays, and the, that's the, that's the, the hard percentages. Part. Is just the thing that I, the issue that I have with it, yep. is that the percentages keep going up. Yes, the bookies yep. can handle it, yep. because they just keep making more money by pu- by pushing their percentages up and yep. up and up and up. And there's going to become a tipping point Very where nice. the punter sort of loses their money too quick. Yep. And if the punter loses their money too quickly, which has happened, I've seen it happen. A couple of my mates just say, "I don't bet anymore because I can't win." Yep. It doesn't become enjoyable anymore. Look at the casinos, which they bet 103%. Yep. People love going to them because they think they're a chance of winning. They lose in the end. i tell you, but a good example is probably what you've been saying about your met- Metro favourites. You do a lot of your trading on Betfair because you reckon you can't get the fixed odds price. It's just too far away. Absolutely, yeah. So the if punters are losing their money too quickly, then they're going to lose interest. And that, mm. uh, that's right. I mean, a lot – the bookies are just – sitting on their prices, which the bookies are handling things really, really well, I think, in terms of the taxations that have been thrown at them and all the, the, the point of consumption tax. So they're handling it, you know, they're playing by the rules and they're handling it really well. But it's just, it's really hard to win. As a professional punter, it's super hard to win now mm. because you're betting into 100. And it might it mightn't seem much, you're betting into 125% market instead of 120% market, but that 5% can be your profit. Suddenly you had a three or four percent edge. Now you've sort of gone to minus one or two, which means you've got to have fifty percent less bets, which means your turnover is dropping. But the problem will really come if the recreational punter mm. loses interest in the game because they feel like they can't win and they're losing their money too quickly. Yep, and we're pretty close to that point, aren't we? Well, we're getting oh, we can't closer. Go higher. We're getting closer, yeah. even like like lines being shorter than a dollar ninety. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where yeah. that's where the recreational punter I think start will to start theory. to understand. Yeah. Like I don't think yeah. the recreational punter even has any sense of percentages no. or what is going on. But they will start when those 
uh, prices, especially on AFL, yep. NRL, start to come down to 185 lines mm, or whatever yeah. they are. Yeah, you can't take punters for granted. No. Like a lot of them, yeah, 99% of them lose, but they're not stupid. Yeah. If we if we sort of being treated as if, you know, they'll just keep betting, put up 140, it doesn't matter, they'll just mm. keep betting, the well, they won't. And the problem is, at this point, it has still been going up. But yeah. where, like mm. you say, where that tipping point comes... I think the tipping point's reached... It can't go further. Fifth, yeah. Like, 20%, there's gone 20% in, like, Queensland, point of consumption tax. Yep. And I know that that that's, takes it too far. That's where the bookies are like, this is just yeah. too much. So, so if taxes are raised again, then percentages will go up again. It's mm. just the same. Yeah. It's going to happen again. Yeah. Bookies are to say, we'll just go promote NFL. It's like much cheaper yeah. for them to bet well, on. Well, don't, I don't think they pay any product fees. Mm. Yeah. Um, all right. So we've got some questions. We'll do some questions, then we can start. Questions from show. Twitter questions and also from Wolfden. Yeah. yeah, we do. Okay, so the uh, first one, which we sort of answered anyway, was from Lunar Racing. Where do you get a good query-enabled user-friendly database for your past bets? I think we kind of answered that with yeah, two great places two, to go. Yeah, two great ones out there. Um, Daniel's uh, BetSmart, TRB, and Paul Daly's Ratings to Ratings Win. To win. Both great products. One, yeah, yeah Punniform do a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and Punniform's relatively cheap too for what it is. Like yeah. Cost of entry for some of the databases can seem a little bit high at first, but if you're wanting to take your sort of betting serious, like... Mm. Is Punniform got a back testing like a, a database? They do, they do have a query. They do have a query. Yeah. You can put in like different parameters and it brings up right. um yeah, like, yeah. where you would be against SP All or that sort of stuff. And you can like check like how horses go with three year olds and four year olds and colts and geldings and oh, there's mm. a billion different train, things yeah, you can test. So. Very good. Uh yeah, that's that and Kingsley does his own as well. So you need to have something. You've built your own over a long period of time. Yeah, I've added added things into it. Still always adding adding things into it. But yep. those those off the shelf ones are amazing. Yep. I used to use the um, Daniels one for sure. GTX. Quick, quick question: I know that you're working hard to sort of reinvigorate your form at the moment. How long have you been working on it? Like in the last couple of months, and how many hours a week do you reckon you're spending trying to keep your form up with where the game's at at the moment? I'm constantly looking for new data and constantly uh, reviewing the factors that I have in there, but. Anytime I get any spare time, so I'll stay up till midnight sort of running queries and adding things in and testing my bets and looking back at what I'm doing. So any spare time I get, I'm constantly doing it. So at the moment, would you use 25, 30 hours a week? Uh, on that, yeah, yeah, probably probably more at the moment, 30, hours, 30 yeah. hours a week on that. I'm also putting together a database for the UK racing, so I'm working on that as well. So there's always something going on, you can't rest. Yeah. And, you, and that's one thing I know about you is you just never stop. Because if well, they'll catch up to you, then they'll, they'll catch you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, like, going to UK racing, is that as a result of the taxation and it's harder to, like... No, not really. It's just looking to expand, to yeah. just do something different as well. So, um, I've been... I've had it there sitting there for, like, six, seven years and just done a little bit of it and just never got time to do it. But, no, not as a result, really. No, you can still win here. There's still opportunities, definitely, to win here. It's just, get, it's just getting harder. Right now, let's move along. Uh, Manfred Granick. How much adjustment to a horse's price do you make for a jockey upgrade of the likes of J-Mac from, a, from, say, a standard rider? Obviously one of many factors, but keen to get the team's thoughts on just how important jockey changes are. Good question. Who wants to lead it off? Matty, you want to take that one? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I reckon, like, a major sort of rider change can be as big as, like, four lengths sort of thing, four or five lengths, which is, like, 10 ratings wow, points. What would they equate to in price? So if... Well, it depends on the field. So, yeah, like, basically a horse, um, you're sort of adding sort of add, adding or minus eight ratings points or handicap points, which is, like, could take a horse from possibly 
four dollars into who knows it depends on what the other horses are in the so race but four to three dollars potentially or yeah. 280 if it's like a a, a terrible jockey to a j-mac like that's, that's massive obviously but yeah, it can be. Do you big. look for jockey changes when you're sort of doing your analysis? Are you looking for positive jockey changes? Yes, yeah, it does. Of course, it helps. But then you you have to pay the pay the fine for the the better rider is going to be shorter as well. Mm. So it doesn't equal automatic um, value, but it definitely a ho- the horse will improve. So I think like minimum you should add sort of add or detract two lengths for a, something that's a fairly decent change and it can be as big as sort of four to six lengths maybe for a, a massive change but yeah and that's once i do my form in do you think uh, better jockeys are more valuable on horses that settle further back in the field so if a leader at apprentice yeah, or a leader because yeah, the they just go to the front the old saying some horses, thing as well yeah that's true yeah so I don't know, if you've got a leader and it's an apprentice and his or her job is just to go forward Maybe it's not a harder ride for that horse, yep. but if the horse needs lots of tactics and for a jockey to be able to pick out uh, when to go, that's probably a harder ride for an apprentice. So, mm. um, yeah, that's a factor. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Great answer. Um, quick question, BZ, is J-Mac the best jockey in the world? Uh, hard to say world because I don't really watch well, a lot I'm of I'm asking the big questions, mate. you got to... <laughs> I'd say if, if Australian <laughs> racing is the w- our world, I'd say yes. Yeah, like... <laughs> sure. Zach rode seven out of nine last night. Yeah, he, well, that's, he, that's he what I mean. You know, like, yeah, and mm. it's it's a very different game. You know, like Joe Marrera's not in in action now, and the two of them have been the big dogs, sort of barking at each other for yeah. the last five years or so, and now one of them's gone, yeah. and Zach's getting a lot of. But Zach's got to come back to Australia and and prove. Him. I don't think he will though. I don't, I don't think he might not. I don't, I don't like, think he will. You know, right. clip, I think Zach, when he's done in Hong Kong. Will be done, and yeah. I don't think he's got that much long longer to go. By sort of judging mm. by a few. Reports. I think he had a few in injury issues, sort mm. of coming out of last season, and he w- wasn't finding the. Also, with like, they've had a very rough time uh, through COVID, COVID, yeah, and restrictions, yeah. and yeah. sort of the way of life in Hong Kong is very different. Locked up at Sha Tin, yeah, and uh, so I think that that has sort of worn thin with a few of the riders up there. But you know, Zach's proven I'd he has to, to be uh, up yeah. there. I'd have to back J Mac over Zach at the moment. Yeah, I think if J Mac had had as much time in Hong Kong. Has Zach had? I think he'd have as equal or good a record with mm. the same opportunity. Someone on the den last night said he's seven out of nine. Was kind of like winning the the Super League Grand Final in '97. It, was, uh, <laughs> it doesn't really count harsh. too it's much, but any oh, it's a bit harsh. But I, yeah, a bit I thought it was funny. Very good. It was funny. He's come good. back here and ridden Caulfield Cup winners and, and the like. Yeah. And yeah, he's a, he's obviously a very very good rider. Do you think some of those horses, the blue horses that went on Saturday at Caulfield with J Mac on board, they're all in pretty awkward positions in the straight? Do you think it was the J Mac effect that got them home? Um... Paul Laley, I think, was in a in a spot where like Blake Shin showed on Gravina that he he rode it pretty well and got it home. Um, Animo looked in trouble. It Animo, did. Really? I, I, Animo looked in trouble, but was that more J Mac or was it just the horse? Like, I, like took a I while to know. pick up it once did, it got going. It did, but um, mm, a good horse. I don't think J Mac's riding um, like the horse was. He put it in a beautiful spot early yep. and it was travelling. I don't think it was by necessarily a good ride or a poor ride that it ended up where it was. It, mm. I just don't think it really got around Caulfield on the turn and then sort of its class shone at, at the finish. Mm. Uh, I thought his ride on Golden Mile was probably his best ride because mm. I don't know what you guys' feeling was going into the race. Personally, I wasn't overly keen to back Golden Mile because I thought he may have been somewhat questionable at the end of 1,600 metres. Mm. And the way the race was... R- 
run and won, I'm not convinced he's still that strong a miler because, like, I don't think Elliptical and Co are, are that good of horses, but mm. he was put in a great spot by James early. He followed the right horse, but then one went up around him and almost could have put him in a pocket, but he waited and waited and waited because my view was he needed to hold onto that horse for as long as he could to ensure that he'd get the 1600. Mm. If he sort of went early and sort of exposed it and got going, he might have been found out late, but so he sort of rode to just get there and he did. Like it it's was amazing the feel those top jockeys and Jamie Carr's the same. Yeah. The feel they have. Oh, incredible. And the, the, the timing they have is quite amazing. Well, I think my view on J Mac at the moment is his big edge is he almost just doesn't give a fuck in terms of mm. like if he's going to get beat. So mm. a lot of other riders are like looking over their shoulder, fuck, if I do this thing wrong, if I mm. make a mistake or if I sort of make a bold move, am I going to be on this horse next start? Whereas J-Mac can sort of ride the race how he wants to. It might not necessarily work or come out. Or, you know, most of the times it does. But James Cummings is not going to hook James McDonald or Chris Wall is not going to hook him the next time around yep. in ca- if right. he does something wrong. So I don't what, think yeah. he has any fear. So what you're saying is like a jockey who's not J-Mac may see a situation unfolding that's not in the rider instructions. Yeah. And they'll be like, well, if I do this and I lose, I'm, I'm going to get hammered by yeah. the owners and, and trainers. I've never ridden in and a race. And they go, okay, I'll just sit and do what I was told. Didn't win the race, but did what I was told. Mm. Yeah. Or mm. I'll, I'll do the safe option yeah. and, and do what, you know, might be the right play there. But I'm not really going to risk it too much. Whereas I think James will sort of roll the dice and be like, if I get beat, sorry. Huey does like, the same. I yeah, think. like, that, and that's the the elite. They jockeys. know how good they are, though. Yeah, and that's the elite jockeys do that. Like yeah. Jamie Carr does it, um, Chris and they bounce Will, back. Uh, I don't Williams. think it yeah. affects them. Whereas I think some of the guys that haven't got to their level, it's as a result of their like not necessarily coping with that pressure and yeah. being able to execute at that stage. So, yeah. busy. I got a good good question for you. What's the professionalism like in the jockey room? I presume you get pretty close to it all. Um, like a guy like Craig Williams. Um, and I know he sort of comes across in his interviews that he can sort of thanks everyone and talks about things. Like, he is super professional in mm. the way he he's out there generally walking the tracks, like the way he prepares himself, the way he does his form. You can just tell when you talk to Craig, like, mm. he's a bit the same. Like That is work. Yeah, yeah. There'll, there'll be horses that you've, most of the people would map back, the majority of maps would have them back, and then all of a sudden after like five strides, Craig's like, bang, straight outside mm. the leader, travelling in a good spot. Jamie Carr does the same. Um it's, it's sort of like the, the Tom Brady effect. Like, Tom Brady gives everything he's got to his yeah. sport. And he says that, like, he's in that Tom versus time thing. He says, like, I've dedicated my life to yeah. being as good as football as possible. And if you want to compete with me, you better match that. Yeah. Mm. And I feel like that's inspired so many people out in the world. And you, I'm just interested. Yeah. Do you think that that's I, I mean, I in the jockey's room as well? well? Like, jockeys work really hard in terms of weight. Yeah. Um, riding work, riding trials, riding mm. race day, mm. you know, a couple of days a week. I think there are some of them that lack in their like understanding of like form, how you guys tempo. Would do to tempo and mm. do form. Um, and and authorities have sort of quashed. Pardon? Authorities have quashed jockeys from speaking to like punters now yeah. about like. But it's not even speaking to necessarily mm. to punters. I think it's just being aware of like. Mm. what is out there yes. and like time figures and yeah. mm. sort of what a horse is capable of. Mm. And that's not being disrespectful to the riders. Like 
I just think they've got a lot in their schedule that probably don't even have a lot of time. It's to about do understanding that. the horse, I suppose. You were yeah. talking about J Mac on Golden Mile. Yeah. He knew that it might be vulnerable at the sixteen hundred. It's about understanding yeah. the animal, and, and really. And not not so much the field about what you're racing against. It's about the horse that you're on and where yeah. it should settle. And, and does it like being inside horses or outside? Does horses it have as big well? sections? Well, and you look at you yeah. look at a rider in I'll just say Melbourne for, for the argument's sake, like there was trials on at Cranbourne on a Monday today. There's probably fifteen trials. Um, Tuesday there'll be like fast work leading into Caulfield Cup, so like there's there's two mornings where or days where you'd think they're sort of off, but they're like out and about, fully active, still trying to keep their weight in check. Riding Wednesday, riding Thursday, mm. some of them still riding Friday night because there's a Friday night meeting. Then riding Saturday, some of them still yeah, going right. to the Sunday meetings. Like I know they're not riding at every meeting, but like how do you then still do your form on top of that and stay mm. in tune to like? What's happening with the tracks? What's happening with here? Mm. Like, there's a lot that they have to do. Mm. And I think, again, you know, James, Huey, those guys where they take a step back and they ride you know, Wednesday, Saturday, maybe on a Thursday if they do, they prepare themselves better. They've got the opportunity to, like, be better prepared just mm. through their time schedule. Mm. Whereas those guys on that sort of – and girls on that next tier down are sort of, like, working so hard to get to that point. Mm. It almost puts them at a – at a time disadvantage because they just like, mm. they just physically don't have the time to yeah. be as prepared as some of those other guys. Who are those? Mm. Any young up and comers who you see doing those things, emulating the? I think the, I the think good ones. One I've noticed in Victoria, and he's had a great year season so far as Ethan Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and say 12, 18 months ago, he was a rider that was heavily. He was very talented as an apprentice, and got a lot of opportunities with Darren Weir. And then when Darren Weir left. That sort of dro- um, dried up, and he was just in the wilderness a little, mm. and he was actually quite heavy, and he couldn't sort of get his weight in check compared to some of the other riders. Um, then he, he took a little bit of time off, and like mentally, sort of wasn't fully applied to racing. Then he came back, and then he got involved in that situation with Ben Mellon and Jamie Carr mm. down at Mornington, and then he had a, like a three months, might have been two months or three months suspension, mm. where he was forced on the sidelines. And even just looking at him at the races, you can tell he's physically lighter in his face. Mm. And he's now riding like 54, um, which for him to get under 56 sort of two or three years ago was near impossible. And then you speak to him about that absence that he had sort of being off through that Mornington Airbnb saga. And I think he had a a bit of a wake-up call, Mm. sort of kicked himself in the arse. Like Cameron Munster. And he's he's obviously working real hard on his fitness, yep. and then he's like working hard, getting more opportunities, and then he's gone from a country provincial rider who was maybe getting the scraps of some of those bigger stables to basically being one of Kira Ma's leading riders now, and mm. he's picked up three Group Ones what, in the space of three months, and mm. he's on a what, leg run in a Corfield Cup. How old is he? He'd be early twenties, twenty two, twenty three. So young, and yeah, yeah and, and that's like someone who. Like, he's not fully exposed to the metropolitan racing here in Sydney compared to some of those big guys. But someone that I've sort of noticed just in Melbourne that has gone from on the outskirts to being, like, right in the game now. John McNeil was another. Like, before he won his um, Melbourne Cup, like, he was just week in, week out, country racing, midweek racing. Then we won a group one for Chris Waller and then just went bang. Mm. Got on that horse for Lloyd in the Melbourne Cup, bang. Then he won a premiership, like... Those guys, and he's a hard worker, very well prepared, well spoken, presents himself very well. You can see how it sort of happens. Mm-hmm. In New South Wales, I think um, 
Dylan Gibbons, son yeah. of Andrew, I think it is, is um, he's the one who sort of touted his next man up. So yeah. keep a look out for Dill. Cool. Yeah, we'll move things along because this has gone much longer than we <laughs> thought, but it's been good fun. Um, so anything that people ask us, anything that people ask us on Twitter, we're always going to read out. So this is from Muppado. Which which bookmakers have tried to stiff you? I'll let you answer that. <laughs> General <laughs> question about got, bookmakers. We, got a lot well, well, let's, we won't use names. We'll no point that. Which bookies have tried to? I don't think. I've what, got what, any t- bad let's debts turn it into from a general, you're, you're talking about. Um, let's turn it into a general question about what do you think about the bookmaking fraternity? Like, yeah, of course, there's a few, few that try things on. In general, they're all really good. Yeah. In general, there's a, there's a few um, there's a few there that try and reject bets, and and we have a few issues with, but. In general, ninety nine percent of them have been really good on online and and bet to win the minimum bet and even on track, everyone's just out there doing their best. It's really it's it's hard out there. So, mm. you know, a few Super have a few hard. tricks here and there, but they're all they're all pretty good. Everyone's sort of, as I said, doing their best in trying times. So, no, the on track bookies are good too. They'll always bet you to win five thousand. That their limits are higher than the the, the corporate mm. bookies, yeah. and they still got a bet to win five. When sports bet, for example, in the Melbourne Cup, have got a bet me to win two thousand. So, yeah, that you know, changing. Hats off to the on-track bookies. But, ah, uh, they're all good. Yep. Great. Okay, moving along. So there's a bloke called Nick Heathcote. Anyone <laughs> heard of him? Uh, yeah, heard him. Yeah, Scoot. If Animo loses the Cox Plate, will Kings get a straight bat, a straight bat mat mullet shaved in? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's a great... That's you've got a good base there. <laughs> you got a very good base. Belter. Can you imagine <laughs> that... What, oh, okay, what, what happens if we... Let's say... What happens if we start a GoFundMe page uh, and people can donate and then... Um, we raise a hundred grand for a charity. Would you get a mullet? Yeah, absolutely. So if, I, if we're going to go, oh, 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 if you, oh, if you can do that and you can ra- get that money raised, absolutely. A hundred thousand, you get it. Yeah, absolutely. No, but it, and it's okay. Cool. My wife's not going to be too happy. But my, <laughs> my son will be though. He's always happy to get a mullet. So yeah, King anything Tom, for charity, I'm in. There's a bit of concern about how's it. You know, is it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you could probably give yeah, him some no, advice. Yeah, there. No, I've got no advice. There. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move things along. Liam Hawkey, is it just me or? Does this year's Caulfield Cup, Caulfield Cup lack real top-class horses? Doesn't really seem to be a race. The race it used to be to me. Can't see many heading towards the Melbourne Cup from there. Not many, if any, quality internationals, and the Everest seems to be getting all the attention. Thoughts? I'd have to say, yeah, it does look down on quality. Like, I'm just calling up a market now. Smoke and Romans, $4.50. Benno, $7. Inspirational Girl, $9. Gold Trip, 10 Nonconformist, 10 Jewish, doesn't excite 13. you? No, it doesn't. Like, it's, it's not... It used to be big, the Caulfield Cup, though. It was a yeah, big, big was. Uh, race, and wasn't and it? I like Montefiore in, as, as a bit yeah, of a buffy. Like, I think well, that like, hard last run at Randwick. $15, they were from, numerous... Yeah, like, it's, it's well, not... Someone on the... Someone on the I think Den said it. I went and looked and I thought, I think that's a good, a good tip at 15 16 It's hard mm-hmm. to argue that the quality is certainly not there. And, you know, over the last... Two years has been a big change in the way that international horses come down um, for the Caulfield Cup, mm. and that has probably backfilled the quality in the last five or so years. And you know, we're not necessarily breeding and racing a lot of stayers, but I think the proof's in the pudding. Leah. Like Smoking Romans was a horse that, like, eighteen months ago, I backed it in a benchmark sixty-four at Bendigo and got mm. beat by Spanish Schnitzel, mm. and it was like yeah. well exposed. It wasn't like I was having a second start. It was like mm. probably 15 or 16 starts, and now it's favourite for a Caulfield Cup. Yeah, like it does seem a bit weak. Um, okay, this is a weird one. So Meta Fugitive, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so these two boys are into their NFTs, and someone <laughs> came on and said, are clones warm? So let's, we don't want to waste too much time. Well, what, yeah, what does that yeah, mean? Yeah, they're one warm at the moment, one, yes. one word's a good answer to <laughs> that. No. Yeah, it's, it's probably... Um, 
someone from our group chat that's just sort of turning <laughs> yeah. up. But yeah, they are a little bit warm. They're warming up. A little <laughs> oh, bit. so clones is a time of, type of NFT. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Sort of hard to explain. Clone X. But, yeah. And is everyone welcome in your little NFT group, or do you have to? Oh, this is just a. This is just a like. You don't want to be in. But if I wanted to, you probably it's probably cheaper not to be. No, you're not welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You can buy now if you want. You'll have more. You'll have more more fun on the Wolf Den. Sure. Okay. Cool. Uh, This is from Wagering Edge, who's a good fellow. I've never actually met him, but I've had many conversations with him on um, Twitter. Is he he working for like in Greyhounds or something like that? Or what's his? I think so. Is it true Kingsley's favourite musicians are the Magnificent New Order? No, Pet Shop Boys. Pet Shop Boys? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you ought to try and be like the Pet Shop Boys, but they'll never get there. New Order's good, though. They're from, like, the 1980s, right? Yeah, yeah. 80s, yeah. Techno. Techno, uh, 80s. Pet Shop Boys, number one. Run me through the Pet Shop Boys, please. Come <laughs> on. The streets have no name. It's oh, a sin. Oh, my gosh. We'll that put is, someone later. This, yeah, this is a question please, from one of the stars it. of the den, Adrian Pantaleone. How many more years will it be until South Sydney win another premiership? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Well, what's that? I think it's been... Eight. How many prelim final losses has it been in the last five? Five in a row. We've made the five, but in the last ten years, there's been uh, oh, right. seven. Then yeah, right. Seven, sorry, sorry, seven yeah. because it was 2012, 2013, and then five in a row. So they've mm. been around the mark. I don't think they're far off, but um, while Penrith's dominant at the moment, it's hard to see them sort of going backwards. Yeah, South um, will be competitive. With, yeah, it all comes it down too. to my view on the NRL. It comes down to like if you can finish in the top four and then be healthy going into that prelim final, mm. and that's what probably South have lacked in the last five years. They've been there, but then they've had injuries or suspension, mm. and they haven't necessarily been able to get their best side on the. They park. had Penrith in trouble in the semi, didn't they? Twelve oh, nil. Yeah, over, but they overperformed this year. I thought they might miss the eight. Yeah, they did really well. And then like the last two years prior to that, we lost to Penrith in a semi final by four. Mm. No Latrell Mitchell, and then yep. lost in a grand Jeez. final, mm. threw an intercept pass and missed a go- Like, yeah. there's a strong case to say that they could have won yeah. a premiership, if not maybe two in the last two or three years. And then the years before that with Wayne Bennett, they that sort of just... a chance. Yeah, that <laughs> could be the chance, you know. But they've got a good side. Yeah. Like, or is I think they'll be competitive. Yeah. Thoughts um, on the three-peat? Or I reckon it's on the cards. $4 seems good odds. Yeah. I don't know, like the... Four dollars, $7 Roosters seems good odds to me too. I'd who like do to they lose, Penrith? Both. Kick out, kick, kick out, out. Coruscant. Coruscant. Yeah, the hooker and, and the yeah. coach, the, the two two coaches, Seraldo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so Seraldo. Yeah, but there's so much depth. Yeah, they're going to unbelievable. Well, they've done it. All four. They had reserve yeah, grade legs. Yeah. yeah. What about the Tigers, Babs? You. Oh. Don't go there. I don't know. I, I like the uh, new coaching staff coming through, but. Realistically, like three or four seasons before you could try and turn it around, but oh, it's been such a long way. Oh <laughs> <laughs> five, oh five was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's I don't know who that is, but they're obviously telling somebody need to. Um, some, can someone go? Oh, yeah, might be LD because I think he said he was going to come. Oh, out. awesome, LD's in the house. Um, so we're actually done, which is fantastic. This has been outstanding. We've got one last thing. So um, I reckon I'd be stoked if five hundred people watched this on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Under, if you you gotta have a bet, even money lines under over five hundred views over. on YouTube. Over, over. You're a TikTok star, over. man. I would say yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. shipping, shipping over. Cool. I'll yeah. go over two thousand. Wow. Go, yeah. All right. The line, push the line. At four dollars. Push the. Wow. Cool. Wee. Well, to close, um, everyone watching, thank you so much for watching. Hope you enjoyed. I really want to keep doing more of this. I, I really enjoy it. And um, if you're not on Wolf, then download the app. It's free. Free tips. Great community. No pressure to bet. Great sport content. Jump on there, have a look. Um, We're trying to build a community, so let's do it. All right, peace.
There you guys. Thank you. Up there, Dan.